Some of you guys know that Francis Chan is one of my, he's not one of, he is my favorite pastor, uh, especially just my favorite speaker in the whole world. And he, he taught this lesson one time, and I don't know why I'll never forget it. I think it was just the honesty of it. But he taught this lesson one time, and I don't really remember what it was about. I just remember that he came before his church, and I've never seen anyone speak as heavy-hearted and transparent as he was. When he went up there, and he, and he, he taught for about an hour, and it was kind of like holy whining, if there is such a thing, because he was just letting the church know, hey guys, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wrestling today. And he was saying, this is, I'm having a tough time this morning. And he taught this lesson, and it was a good lesson, but when he started with that, it was just, it just has always spoke to me, his transparency. And I'm just going to say that to you guys as well this morning, that I'm excited about this message, but I am struggling a little this morning. So, and I, if only I could speak about things emotional without crying, <laughs> but nothing is wrong. I just wanted to let you know, this, this message is heavy on my heart. And, uh, and I'm excited to teach it, but uh, that's all I'll say. So, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This morning, I'm going to be speaking about the heart. And I'm going to draw it for you a little bit. And, and, and you know I'm talking about your spirit, your spiritual heart, which is your most important heart. But if you, uh, if you learn something in anatomy or science class and it doesn't add up with what I'm going to teach uh, right now, you can just keep that to yourself. Um, because I'm talking about the spiritual heart. And so let me draw this for you a little bit in, in the way that it makes sense to me. Okay, so uh, uh, this is your hand. Uh, I'll put a little nose on there if you want to, a little smirk, okay? This is your head, and then um, about, it's about 18 inches, about 18 inches down is your heart. I'm always just excited to see the drawings that I come up with as you guys are, because I don't practice them. I just put it in my notes, oh, I'll draw a heart and a face. And so whenever I see it, I'm always like, huh. Okay, that's not what it looked like in my head, but that'll work. So you have a head and you have a heart. And you need to understand that the Bible makes it explicitly clear that the two are not the same. They're not, okay? You have a mind, you have a brain, you think thoughts, and you have a heart. In which um, it says there in our verse we're studying that Christ wants to make his home, not here, but here. Okay? And so there's about, like I said, roughly 18 inches between the two. And what I've learned just gut-wrenchingly and painfully, which is just why I believe I'm a little emotional today, is that heaven and hell 
are completely separated by just a matter of those 18 inches. And I've seen this time and time and time and time again, that this short little journey just from head to heart is what is keeping people from from purpose, from love, from peace, from rest, from, from eternity with their Savior. And it's just this journey. And it's, it's a foot and a half, but it's the most important foot and a half that anything will ever travel in your entire life. And so this morning, we're just going to talk about this short little 18 inches and, and, and what, what happens in between this space. And there, there, there are many, many, what I'm going to call arteries today, that I believe connect, you could call them channels or, or however you want to speak of this, vessels that connect one's head to one's heart. But for the sake of time, I'm just talking about what I believe are like the seven, remember, ignore your science class, what I believe are the, you're like, this doesn't even, the seven major arteries that I believe connect one's head to one's heart. And, and, and there's so many more. And I'm not even saying that these are the seven most important. I'm just saying these are the seven major ones that I'm going to speak of today. Okay? And so just to give you a visual of what I'm talking about, I'm talking about, this is your head, okay? And I'm talking about this information traveling from head to heart. I know this is a weird visual for you. Like you've never seen before. <laughs> Me neither. I've only drawn four just for the sake of time. I made a D in art in high school. <laughs> but I guess you can see that I overcame that. <laughs> Taught myself. Self-taught. <laughs> so that's that's four of our arteries. Um, and I believe these are, like I said, these vessels that connect one's head to one heart, one's heart. And there's probably... I don't know, 700 of these different things. You'll be, as I begin to speak in a second, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. These are places where we can draw information from. Okay, so this artery right here could be your marriage. Okay. Uh, I know you can't really read that where you're sitting. But that's marriage. Um, this one over here could be like your finances. Because you can draw information about these subjects. Matter of fact, you could read, I could, Dave Ramsey just alone has written 48 books about how to correctly steward your finances. And you can go out and buy all of them and read all of them, and that will give your head so much knowledge regarding finances. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there is a vessel that flows from your head to your heart, okay? And that just because it goes into your head does not necessarily mean it's going to reach your heart. And that's what we have to understand. That's what's happening in this 18-inch period. There's marriage. There's finances. There's your children. How to raise your children. There's um, other, other miscellaneous relationships. Uh, relationships you have at work. Uh, relationships you have with your family. There's um, 
what I'm just going to call moral integrity, pursuit of righteousness. Okay? And, let's see, do I have any more? Work, one, two, three, four, five, six. Your work life, uh, what you do for a living, your career. Let's see if I missed one. Uh, time. What do you do with your time? So what I'm trying to tell you is I could, I could aimlessly teach for the rest of my life. And we could all unpack everything the living word of God has to say to us about every single one of these issues. And it could still do you absolutely no good. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? Because these things would go in here. But I'm trying to let you know that there's 18 inches before they reach here. And if you don't do what you have to do to get it to travel this journey, then everything that goes in here will actually do more harm for you than good. And a lot of people don't realize this because what begins to happen is we begin to collect knowledge, which is good. Such as, uh, let me give you some examples real quick. So like, uh, let's just, I'm just going to bounce around. Like I could teach you about in um, Ephesians chapter 5 and how it says that we're supposed to love, our husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loves the church. I could teach you in Proverbs 22, 6 where it says, raise your children in the way that they should go and when they grow old, they won't depart from it. We could talk about work and how you're uh, supposed to do all things for the glory of God. Uh, we can talk about stewarding our time correctly, or our finances correctly, or tithing, giving God our first fruits and our 10%. We can talk about being a, a utensil for honorable use so that the Lord, like 2 Timothy, so the Lord will pick us up and want to use us. We can talk about loving other people and relationships and 1 Corinthians 13 and John chapter 13 verse 34. And he, you know, the way that we love other people will be how Christ uh, is revealed. I can teach you all this stuff, and I do, and I try to. But but as you begin to collect this knowledge, which is good, something very very bad can actually happen. Now, a lot of times people don't re- realize this, but we're going to be going through a lot of James today, and and I want to I want to start with James chapter one verse twenty two. Let's see what James had to say about this. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, But don't just listen to God's word. But, this is James, but don't just listen. Don't just listen to it. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Another translation says, for you're only deceiving yourselves. So when you listen to teachings like this, or you acquire knowledge, or you read this word for yourself, and you don't then begin to apply it to your life, that you're actually lying. You begin to, your lifestyle becomes a lie. You're lying, but not even to other people. You're telling the worst kind of lie. You're lying to yourself. You ever met people that were so good at lying to themselves? Try talking any reason into them. You can't. They're convinced of their own lies. Right? You try to talk to them, and and they are literally convinced. You could show them all the proof that you wanted to. They're convinced of their own lies. They have deceived themselves. So the Bible tells us that you are a liar when you learn something and then you don't live it. And, and, and it's so dangerous because 
you begin to feel like you've acquired so much more information that you, than you really have. Because there's so much going in here that you begin to feel like you're all-knowing. My favorite Christians are those that have been following Jesus for like less than a month. You know why? There's nothing here yet. And it's marvelous. Because you give them just a sentence and they're just excited and they just take it and it just goes straight to there in three seconds from head to the heart, 60 miles an hour. But as people collect more and more, it's like, it's like that we become archaeologists. We, we think the Bible is an artifact. We just collect these little pieces of knowledge and we just store them. We begin to just store them and, and, and it's so dangerous because you begin to feel like you're so much further along than, than really you are because so much has gone in. But James tells us it doesn't really matter what goes in at all. But what comes out? What comes out? That, that's, what, that's what James says matters. It doesn't really matter what comes in. Let's talk about what goes out. It's kind of like, it's kind of like money. It's really not your income that matters. It's the outcome. You can make millions of, of dollars a year and still be broke. Happens all the time. Matter of fact, um, sometimes you can be worse off with millions than with thousands because you accumulate so much more debt. Because so much is coming in, you become so much, more, so much less disciplined with what's coming out. You know? And you have to learn to correctly apply what it is that God gives you. Because if what comes in does not go out, then we're left with a pretty serious problem. And this is what I'm talking about today. If what comes in doesn't go out, it doesn't reach it here, what we're left with is a blockage. Okay? And that's some scary words. That's some scary words. And I want you to listen to me and take it just as serious as you would if you met with a cardiologist and he said it. If you're receiving knowledge pertaining to these things here, and it's not coming out here, then there is a blockage. Okay? It is trapped. It is stuck in between the two. Because that's what James says. He says, don't just listen to it. You have to put it to work. And we know that, that when enough of these are blocked, you'll die. Right? We know that, that we'll have a heart attack. We'll know that, we'll, that the heart will become hardened. We know that, that we'll no longer be able to function. But we also know that even when one gets a little clogged, even when one gets a little bit blocked, that we'll begin to function at a much lower level than usual. We'll have a higher level of fatigue. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have difficulty performing basic actions and duties. I, I see this in this church. I see this in people. I see that I, I can just look at someone and look at their life and I'll go, yeah, they've got a clogged artery. There's something, because I know that I've taught them about that before. I know that they've read it for themselves before, but it's not here yet. It's just clogged somewhere in between the two. But what happens is, this is what's really important. When it's clogged between the two, I can't teach them about it again. It's not going to make a difference. You understand that? Does it matter that... The, for, for, I don't need to teach every person who's a horrible husband that Ephesians chapter 5 says they're supposed to love their wives as Christ loves the church. That wouldn't fix their problems. Most of them already know that, especially the ones within the church. You know the divorce rate's not one single percent lower in the church than it is in the world? They don't need knowledge. 
Right? I can teach that and I will continue to teach that. But if I teach it and then you don't apply it, you will have a blockage. And you'll actually be worse off than if you would have never heard it. It doesn't matter if you have every word of the Bible memorized. If you've never let a single word of it reach to your heart, you're worse off than if you never would have even opened it. It doesn't matter what's floating around up here. It doesn't matter how much is up here. It doesn't matter if your brain is protruding from the sides with massive amounts of knowledge. It doesn't really matter. Stay in James. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it? James is talking about this still. He said, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith? What good is it if you say that you have faith but don't show it? By your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? James James goes along and he says, Faith without works or faith without actions is dead. Well, why is it dead? Because when I begin to acquire knowledge, but I don't put it into action, that I begin to get clogged and I begin to have blockages. And that will eventually kill me. Knowing the Bible more than you live it is dangerous to your health. Incredibly dangerous to your health. Chapter 2, verse 19, even says that the demons believe and they tremble. They know. The demons have knowledge. They understand. They know. The devil knows the Word of God. He has, he has it memorized. It doesn't matter. It's, no, it's to no credit that you've learned it. It's to no credit that you've acquired it. But have you applied it? Look at Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, it would, this is important. I want you to really hear this verse. Chapter 2, verse 21 of Second Peter. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. It would be better to not know anything about these things if you're not actually going to apply it to your life. Do you understand that? Because if you learn it and then you don't apply it, then you get clogged. So then in two years, someone else goes to teach you about it and that knowledge will never reach your heart because you're still all blocked up from the last amount of knowledge that you didn't apply. Do you get that? It would be better. It would be better if you did not know it at all. That's what, that's what 2 Peter says. Because it clogs the arteries and it makes it harder for God to get to you. Because you collect so much information about Him that you've never let it actually reach your heart. And it's for this reason that some of the worst people you'll ever meet are some of the ones who have been sitting in churches the longest. I've seen that. Some of the most wickedest, cruel, nastiest people I ever met in my life since I've been sitting in church 50 years. I'm dead serious. And the reason why, not all of them, there's some wicked people that have never been into a church. But a lot of those. 
But it's because they're so hard-hearted, right? They, they have acquired information about every subject that they could possibly ever... What, what are you going to teach them? What are you going to teach them? Nothing. They've already got all the information they could ever need. Okay? What they need is a plunger. <laughs> they're clogged. Okay? They're clogged. I'll put that in a prayer sometime. <laughs> Lord, plunge our hearts. <laughs> We're clogged, full of knowledge. But nothing's actually getting where it needs to get. You know? That's what I see in people. You know, the Bible talks so much about people who are stubborn-hearted or hard-hearted. Well, how did they get that way? Resting knowledge. That's how one becomes hard-hearted or stubborn. They have resting knowledge. Write this down somewhere. Resting knowledge will make you hard-hearted when sitting idle for too long. Resting knowledge will make you hard-hearted when sitting idle too long. Knowledge is like gas. It's, it's good for your car when you put it in and use it. But it's not meant to just sit there. Right? That's not the point of it. it what, what, what is for your benefit will actually destroy you if you don't use it when you have to. Do you get that? So, you know, it, it's like... Look, look at Hebrews chapter 6. I've just got a lot of scripture today. It's just studying this a lot this week. But Hebrews chapter 6, I'm just kind of bouncing around. People begin to get this, they begin to get this heart disease. It's a hardening of their heart. And they begin to get this heart disease. And it's noticeable in their life because it's almost impossible to get through to them. Because that heart has become so rigid, it's become so hard. And, and that's why I believe the writer of Hebrews says in, the, in the Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4, it says, For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. Those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring back such people to repentance. That verse has been a hard verse for me in my life as I've studied it because I've watched so many people turn away. And a lot of times I have to just think to myself, maybe they've just not tasted truly the goodness yet. And if they've had just a little tasting of the real goodness of God, they could never turn away from it. Maybe, Lord, they just not had enough. Give them a true tasting. But then other people, I see them and I think, they really have. They really have experienced knowledge on all of these things. And the reason why it's so hard to bring this kind of person back to the Lord is because their heart has become so stubborn. And so hard-hearted because all of their arteries got clogged full of resting knowledge that they never really applied. They learned a lot of hymns, but they never really knew Him. You know, they memorized verses, but they never really understood the purpose of any of it. They just collected it all. And it just sat idly. And uh, it's kind of like food. You know, if you eat a little food, it's good for energy. But it, and it keeps you going, but... If you just eat and you continue to eat, 
it will eventually kill you if you don't actually do anything with the energy that you're putting into your body. It's meant to project you to do something. A lot of people don't even realize that, that it's, not even, it's not even actually biblical to study the Bible. That sounds crazy. It's not even, it's not even biblical to study the Bible. You think, oh, this guy's lost it, man. It's not. No, no, it doesn't say study it. It says meditate on it. It's, it's not a textbook. There's no, there's no test. The test is daily. <laughs> Right? Pop quiz. Every day of your life. Every 10 minutes. Traffic. Monday morning. Kids. Toddlers. All of it. <laughs> it's all a test. And all the answers are in here. Right? But we're not meant to just study it. It's not a textbook. We're meant to meditate on it. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my head. Oh, no, it doesn't say head. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart. So that I may not sin against you. Meaning I let it go 18 inches, Lord. I took one word in and I let it go 18 inches. Because when it gets from head to the heart, these things become affected. But it's got to go the 18 inches. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I spoke about Francis Chan earlier. He tells a, he tells a funny story about something that kind of, kind of like this. And he was talking about something to do um, with uh, how, we, how we're, we, we've just made the Bible like the textbook to us and we've kind of overstudied it but underapplied it. And uh, he's talking about how, how inappropriate that would be for like his daughter. And he's, Francis has like seven kids. And he said, he said, it just really wouldn't sit well with me if I told my daughter, hey, go clean your room. And 20 minutes later, I came to check on her and I was like, this room's still a mess. Why haven't you cleaned it? And she's like, no, 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 no. Um, I've been thinking about what you said. And I even know how to say it in the Greek and the Hebrew. And I called over some friends, and they're going to be here in a little bit, and we're all going to share our ideas about what you thought, about how to clean our room, what would be the best way to do it. And he said, that wouldn't work. I'd say, no, just clean your room. That's what I told you to do. And that's what the Bible is. We're all just sitting around going, hmm, interesting. I won't go to that church. I didn't really like the way he explained it. Let me go elsewhere. I really like the tone of his voice. I really like this beard. Whatever it might be. I'm going to go elsewhere. I, it, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's like, um, I'm full of stories. Uh, is, you know, Stephen Furtick is, a, is, a, is another really good pastor, and he's, he grew up this big beard. And I saw all these comments. People are commenting all over this guy's Facebook or this video he posted sharing the gospel. And they were like, I just can't listen to him anymore now that he's got that beard. And I was like, you're listening to the word of God hinged upon one man's, uh, you know, grooming habits? You know, and some of them were being pretty serious. I mean, they were like, duh, duh, duh. they were, oh, I can't stand it either. He looks, you know, all this other stuff. And anyways, let's go back to James. Let's finish up in James chapter. I don't want to expand on that. James chapter four. My, my point is, it's, it's not it's not biblical for us to just think we're supposed to study this or collect it. We're meant to use it. You know, I was listening to. I went back and I was listening to one of the podcasts. Uh, that we had done a couple of weeks ago. And I was 
which I don't often do, but I was checking out the quality and making sure I could hear myself okay and if we needed to tweak it in any way. And I was listening to it and I thought, Lord, why do I preach one of these every single week? I was like, a week's not near enough time for us to actually use any of this. I was like, maybe I just need to start doing one a month. And then I'll just preach it again the next week. And then you guys could come back and I'll just give it to you again. And then the week after that, I'll just give it to you again. And some of you guys will go, I wouldn't come to listen to it four times. And I'm like, well, I, I, don't, I don't blame you, but I'm thinking, we've got to use it, right? We, we, we've, I, I have to, that's the way I have to learn. But we always want something fresh and new and something cool that we can set on the shelf up here. Check out this teaching I got. I set it right there. Look, I learned how to do that, and I put it right there. And, it's, and I get convicted of this, too. And I go, no, 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 no. I just want some of this to get here. But I don't want to get so much up here that the passageway between my head and my heart gets blocked. I want to make sure that what I'm learning, I'm putting immediately into action. So the Lord has an open highway to get to my heart anytime He wants me. Anytime He wants to. Anytime He wants to say anything to me. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So do you see how bad it could be for your health to think it's okay to just collect stuff up here? Because the more you collect up here, the more guilty of sin you become. You're storing up wrath for yourself. And it, it says, it is a sin to know what you ought to do. That, that exists in this world, this world of ought. <laughs> this world up here. Okay, people have been sitting in church 75 years, 50 years. They know what they ought to do, but then by not doing it, they're sinning. That's why I say, if you're not going to listen and apply the words that I'm teaching, please don't come back next week because you're making this so much harder on yourself. You would be better off to stay at home than to come and learn it and not use it. You're just blocking the passageway from your head to your heart. Because it's, just, it's a sin. You know, it's kind of like that with our children. When our children are two years old, they can get away with more than, than when they're ten. Because they didn't know as much back then. Right? If, my, if a two-year-old takes off his shirt and runs around, you know, and, and whatever, you know, uses the bathroom in his, in his shorts, and all that, like, that's, it's like appropriate, kind of. You know, it's like you talk, you maybe talk to him and say, hey, we don't do that, we keep our shirt on, you go change his diaper or whatever. But if your ten-year-old did that, you've got a problem on your hands. Right? This is, this is unacceptable behavior because they know what they ought to do and they're not doing it. You're going to have to have a talk with them, right? And so that's what I'm trying to tell you is the more knowledge you collect, the worse off you actually be unless you apply it to your life. Okay? So you, you've got to just quit coming or just quit studying and just collecting it because you're just clogging your arteries more and more. I thought this week as I had had a delicious meal of... Uh, uh, fried turkey and everything else, I thought, man, what would be the perfect post-Thanksgiving meal for you guys? And I thought, I want to talk about heart disease and the seriousness of clogged arteries. <laughs> right? I, I, I didn't plan that, but it works out pretty, pretty well. You know, Jesus needs access to flow freely through all of these different channels to your heart. Okay, but if you're feeling like you're stuck in any of these areas in your life, it's not because the Lord's not working in those areas. It, it, it's, 
It's because there's been a blockage there where there's already been knowledge that you've, you've learned or that you've heard or that's been given to you that you've just not yet applied. You know, and you've got to, you've got to go, before you ask God why, you've got to go back through these channels and go, well, I'm having such a hard time with my children. And you've got to go, well, what have I learned about how to raise children that I'm not yet applying? I mean, this is my life. I'm not teaching this at you. I'm just up here. My ear's the closest. I'm, I'm saying, I mean, I have this happen. I go, oh, I'm so frustrated with the kids. And I go, well, am I praying like over them intently, daily? And, I, and I, if I, if I, right off the bat, if I say no, I go, well, I don't have anything to complain about. Let me get back to doing that. And then if I'm still having trouble, I go, well, the word says I've got to teach them in the way that they should go. Am I teaching them right versus wrong? Am I, really, am, I, am I really taking the time to teach them? Or am I just disciplining them? Am I just punishing them? Or am I making sure that they always know right from wrong? My marriage. People go, oh, it's just not working. I wish God would just come and fix it. Okay, the Bible talks more about how to have a good marriage than it does how to cast out a demon, okay? There's, <laughs> it's hard. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, there's a, there's a lot of instruction in there. Have you applied it yet? You, we're saying, Lord, I need a miracle. And he's like, I've given you the knowledge for your miracle to happen. If you would just let it reach 18 inches. It's stuck right here. And you're like, yeah, I got heartburn. I feel it. Let it go. Let it get in. Look through these places and go, okay, that, my finances. Oh, man, we can't get anywhere. We're two months behind on everything. Well, the Lord says, are you, are you sticking your money in a hole? Are you investing it wisely? Are you investing it into the kingdom? Are you spending it all on foolish things that you desire? Are you sowing into a church? Are you, are you praying about every decision that you make? Are you, are you really handling every penny from your paycheck as though it's the Lord's money? And, and saying, Lord, where would you like this to go? Okay, where would you like this? Then how can you blame him for it? You know, it's your fault, not his. If it's not passed through his hands, but yours. And so... We've got to look at all of these arteries of our lives or else we're in danger of becoming blocked in that area. Look at uh, the last scripture I'm going to look at. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. This is Paul talking about the instructions that he's given the church at Philippi. Keep putting into practice everything that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, then the God of peace will be with you. When you're putting these things into practice. People say, well, I don't really feel God. He's trying. He's trying to let so that you can feel that the God of peace is with you. But it's through putting the things that you've already learned into practice that you then begin to feel the God of peace is with you. Otherwise, you're just blocked and you're clogged in all these different ways because you won't let him get through these 18 inches from your head to your heart. We should leave. Every time we have a gathering like this, we should leave here and immediately before we even get to the car, be thinking of three to five ways that I'm going to apply what I've just learned to my life. 
You know, you should come to church and want to be convicted. That's the thing about it is a lot of times people leave churches when they feel convicted. That's, the, that's one of the greatest things about coming here. I should never enter into a gathering like this and not leave here thinking there's this area that I have got to do better in. I've got to give God more access in. If I ever walk into a gathering like this and I walk out thinking, I don't think so. I wasn't really convicted about anything. That's because you're already blocked in every passageway that the Lord could have spoken to you. You've got all that resting knowledge like gasoline sitting in your tank for too long. And it's corroded away at your heart. And now you're stubborn and you're hard-hearted. And I bet you could ask three to five of your friends and they'd all agree with that. Because it's pretty evident when you're hard-hearted. You don't feel compassion like you once did. You don't feel empathy like you once did. And it's because of this resting knowledge. And so, church, we can't become a group of people who merely collect knowledge and teachings and then let them clog the arteries that are leading to our heart. We have to open wide these vessels and make certain of it that every time we hear anything from the Word of God, that we immediately say, yes, Lord, let it get, let it get 18 inches. Let it always go from my head to my heart so that I won't become clogged. And the way that we never have any of these blockages is that we live in this way of full surrenderance where anytime the Word of God says anything, I obey it. Anytime there's a teaching on any of these these arteries or any of the many other arteries, that if I don't feel a new way to apply it to my life, then I realized that there must already be a blockage there from an old way that I learned that I never applied. Let me look into these. When I'm having difficulties in these areas, let me look to teachings that I've learned in years past that I never truly let reach my heart. And that's how we begin to have... I'm going to read that last passage one more time in Ephesians chapter 2 because it's what I started with. And then we're going to get out of here. Ephesians chapter 2 told us Sorry, it was 3, I lied to you. 3 verse 17. I thought, man, I don't know what I told you in 2, but I don't remember it. Okay, 3 verse 17 says, Then, then, then Christ, then Christ will make His home In your hearts as you trust in Him. Then. Then it happens. If we open wide the vessels. So that what we hear we apply. It never lets our hearts grow hardened. And then then the, the blood of Jesus begins to be pumped through. As we meditate on this. And our lives will begin to be changed. Entirely. From the inside out. So if there's any portion of your life. Any area where you're thinking. I don't feel peace in that area. I don't feel purpose in that area. We have to make sure that we have, we're keeping the passageway wide open. Wide open so that anything that goes into my head comes out of my heart. Because James says it's not about the income, it's about the outcome. Right? Let's, let's sing a song together today.